It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, August 24th, a Monday after a wild and crazy weekend for the LA Galaxy, a 2-0 win over rivals LAFC, uh, the first shutout in El Trafico history, the first road win in El Trafico history. Both of those things go to the LA Galaxy, so some uh, a surprising victory. We're going to have a bunch of stuff to talk about uh, with that for sure. Uh, we're also going to get you through some LA Galaxy news. Um, we have a bunch of LA Galaxy rumors, and it is a short week. Uh, it's always a short week, especially in this restart. It's basically, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, that's sort of how it plays out for the next time. So rapid fire games coming. The LA Galaxy will host Seattle Sounders on Wednesday. We're going to talk about that game as well. And as a special tonight, we're going to be joined by LA Galaxy defender slash midfielder Julian Arajo. So that should be fun as well. To help me do all of that, uh, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. You were at the game, Kevin. How was it going, buddy? I was at the game. It was a very strange atmosphere. Um, I, uh, you know, there were there was noise in the stands, but no fans, not even cardboard fans. So it was really weird hearing all this noise, but uh, not seeing any people. And by the way, the the I don't know what it's like at other sporting events. I just you know watch those on TV, but the, the the fake crowd sounds really sounded like a movie soundtrack. So there was no emotion to it. And in fact, it, they they really couldn't turn it up or turn it down or even turn it off. So when the Galaxy scored their two goals, the fans presumably LAFC fans right. continued to cheer. And they also continued to cheer when Carlos Vela walked off with a knee injury. So that was all very uh, weird. If they were trying to create atmosphere, I'm not so sure that it worked, but I need to start off by with a big mea culpa. Uh, I have been probably among the most critical uh, people of Guillermo Barros-Scalotto and I'm not alone. Uh, those of you who now are on the, on the GBS bandwagon, you know who you are. Um, I, I've been very critical of him and his coaching technique, but I got to say, he man, he got it 150% right against LAFC. Now, granted, they had two weeks to prepare. They knew on August 8th that their first game would be against LAFC at LAFC, and they and they had two weeks to prepare. And Guillermo said they used those two weeks to prepare for LAFC, that they were working on this game plan for two weeks. But whatever it was, the game plan was was spotless it was great the, the the bunching of the midfield and the back line together clogging those passing lanes lafc dominated possession as they always do but only got three shots on goal um uh, you know on the other end zubek uh you know playing it up front was great i think sebastian Lejet moving him back where he belongs in the central midfield was a good move arajo on the right wing i mean right. you know makes mls team of the week to assist um Everything that Guillermo touched on this week, and again, I've been critical of him all along, but everything he touched for this game was 100% correct. He, he was awesome. Now, as you said, though, we got uh, the Galaxy has a game Wednesday with Seattle. Very quick turnaround. They don't have three weeks to prepare a game plan for this. Right. And you were on the conference call today with some of the players, and they all talked about uh, uh, Bingham and Daniel Starris. They all talked about, yeah, we did great. It was one game. But um, – you know, we have to build on this now. If this just turns out to be a one-game flash, it doesn't mean anything. We need to build on it and carry this momentum. And so there's another challenge now Wednesday. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's rapid fire. Um, let's get through this LAFC game though. Um, this was uh, a game that I think five thirty eight had the LA Galaxy a twenty percent chance of winning. Um, this was a game that Josh Gessman gave the LA Galaxy probably zero percent chance of winning. Uh, I thought they would lose three to one. I'm not alone, um, which makes me I think feel better. Uh, I think the Fox crew was uh, was because it was on Big Boy Fox as well. This was an over the air game. Uh, Big Boy Fox crew, I think uh, uh, John Strong and Stu Holden were surprised. Um, at just what was happening here. And when you look at it and what the LA Galaxy were able to do was um, something that I don't know that I've seen in a very long time. Uh, the defensive performance, one, getting a shutout, that's that's not that rare. It happened last season. I can point to those times, and I'll tell you what those are whenever I get into sort of some of the notes. August was the last one. August, and then they had the last time they got a shutout on the road was actually in June of last year. So, I mean, it's not like it, it's never happened, but I will tell you this, that the 90-minute performance, this was a 90-minute performance from the first kick to the last whistle, um, 90 minutes of concentrated, uh, you know, compact, smart soccer. And I don't know the last time I've seen that. And the defensive effort that was put forth in this game, and you talked about it, um, you know, we should note uh, People Gonzalez again on the bench. Uh, Nick DePew starts next to Daniel Steres. You get Rolf Felcher, you get Insua. This is a group now, if you even go back to the Houston game, whenever uh, whenever Guillermo made the switch back to Nick DePew, um, it, you know, realistically, if you look at the Houston game, Houston scored one goal off a set piece, um, and it probably was a sort of iffy foul on Perry Kitchen, um, and then David Bingham either didn't see it or didn't move to the ball either, but really, that was the big scoring chance that Houston had in that game. So you can go back to that game and say, okay, you know, the defense was starting to work even in that game, and now you put it in this game, and there's some people on this list that I didn't think you'd be highlighting in here, but let's start with uh, Nick DePew. Um, absolutely shut down Carlos Vela. You have to remember that, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting too much from Carlos Vela. He hadn't played in a very long time, Kevin. Um, you know, he, he missed the five MLS. Five and a half months. Yeah, five and a half months. Yeah, he missed the MLS's back tournament. Uh, you know, Bob Bradley talked all about how he was still in good shape, but you're not playing games. You, you don't understand. So um, realistically, Nick DePew marked Carlos Vela out of this game. Um, you know, Diego Rossi was marked out of this game. Uh, you look at, uh, at, at some of the other guys who were in this, you know, Brian Rodriguez was really marked out of this game. You can look at what the LA Galaxy did in this, and Nick DePew certainly deserves a whole bunch of credit. I thought Ensua was good. Steris was solid. Felcher was good. Uh, Perry Kitchen played out of his mind. I know we give Perry Kitchen a lot of crap, um, and certainly people call him Kevin Kitchen, and that's sort of, it's sort of taken sort of a derogatory uh, turn whenever you use the Kevin Kitchen uh, sort of argument there, but this was not Kevin Kitchen. This was Perry Kitchen. Uh, it was a man's game out there in this particular game. Perry Kitchen was launching LAFC players all over the place for most of this game. Uh, got got a yellow card at one point, but for the most part, really kept things contained. And the LA Galaxy with this defensive stand is something I have not seen in years from an LA Galaxy team. I, I tried to go back and sort of think over some of the games, and I went through some of the games for them. I can't honestly, in my mind, there's not a defensive performance like this that stands out in a very long time. It's probably more than, you know, the times since since Zlatan. It's probably before Zlatan when the LA Galaxy defense has really stood up and, you know, sort of banded together like this. Um, it, was, it was a completely different LA Galaxy team than I thought we would see. Compact. Uh, looking for the counter, was smart with the ball. Um, you know, like you said, got out-possessed. Uh, they didn't get out-challenged, though. I mean, you look at the at, at the duels one and the LA Galaxy were on there. They had a lot of clearances. The craziest stat, Kevin, for me, is the LA Galaxy got out-crossed in this game 
22 to 9. LAFC had 22 crosses. The LA Galaxy had 9 crosses. And as much as we've criticized Guillermo Barrescoloto and the cross-first sort of tactic that he has... That was not the case in this game, and the LA Galaxy came off uh, looking like they controlled that game for a total of 90 minutes. Well, and I don't know if you could see it on TV. It was pretty apparent uh, in person. The work rate, uh, I, I was thinking about midway through the first half that it, with the heat and the humidity. It was really humid out there, too, in addition to being hot. Um, I really thought LAFC was, or the Galaxy, rather, were going to take themselves out of the game. The work rate at the beginning of that game was so intense, and they didn't let up. They were hustling all game, all 11 players. Well, maybe Bingham wasn't because he was kind of standing in front of the net. But the other 10 were definitely hustling, um, uh, you know, running to the ball, um, you know, in pairs and, and working together and backing each other up. Um, the work rate was incredible uh, given that heat. And, um, you know, I really I really kind of felt that this was going to be another Orlando situation where they're going to play good for a short period of time and then sort of run out of steam in the second half didn't happen um i don't know whether the substitutions were better or whether the fitness was better or the determination i don't know what the factor was but it was as you said it was a complete 90 minute performance and what was really interesting about guillermo's tactics of i I don't want to say they laid back because they didn't it wasn't a you know they didn't park the bus um they they were smart and they were tactical and they were technical but they didn't park the bus but it was interesting because i think when orlando city beat LAFC in uh, the MLS's back tournament. Uh, They tied them and then beat them on penalty kicks. I thought they had come up with now the formula to handle LAFC. They went at them. They actually out-possessed them, Orlando City did. And they actually played a uh, sort of an LAFC-style game. They they met LAFC and, and, you know, uh, toe-to-toe and played their style of game, and it worked. And Bob Bradley really didn't have an answer for that. Uh, And I kind of thought that would be the formula that teams would use, and that would be the template to uh, play LAFC in the future. And and Guillermo did not do that, did not take the bait, rather than saying – uh, that that succeeded for them, but we don't have the same personnel they have. Uh, you know, they played an LAFC or a, a Galaxy style game. They played the game that Guillermo thought it worked best for his personnel, and he was absolutely 100% correct. It, uh, it as you said, it was. I think it's probably the the best performance and maybe the most important victory of the GBS era. Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, you know, you can go back to a lot of the Zlatan. We we know the LA Galaxy, you know, rode on the back of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We know that. We saw it. Um, you know, we looked at it, and there was hopes that this year having a more complete team, having a more balanced team, the LA Galaxy would be more dangerous. Now, you know, you go through the first five games without a win, and you're going to start to doubt everything that that comes about that. And I think I need to be cautious, and I think Kevin, you were already cautious in saying this. It's one game, and you don't know what you know, the future holds. If there's a, if there's a similar performance against Seattle, okay, now you're on to something. If it's not, and you look more like, you know, the games before, um, you know, you look like a, like the game against Houston or either the games against Houston, or you look like the game against Vancouver, even though they played a man down, you know, the six, two loss to LAFC. Um, you can go through this and, and sort of look at, you know, the two, one loss to Portland and MLS is back. You know, Guillermo preached over and over again, Kevin, that they had good games, but it wasn't a complete 90 minutes. And I think for this LA Galaxy team, who does not have the talent of some of the other teams, and that's crazy to say, understanding that Christian Pavone may be one of the best players in Major League Soccer, um, and and it could be by, by quite a bit, because he was outstanding in this game as well, but in a different way than he has been. I'll touch on that. Um, but whenever you understand that you know they didn't have as much talent as, as I think that LAFC had on the other side of the ball, uh, they had to be smarter about things. And this game produced not only what I think is a 90-minute performance, not only what I decree as, as one of the best defensive performances 
in a, in years from the LA Galaxy. It also produced one of the prettiest offensive moves that I have seen in a very long time from the LA Galaxy. And that was, you know, the counterattack second goal by Sebastian Legette. And just the ability to get that ball to Christian Pavone and let him penetrate into the half and then play, you know, a give and go with Zubak that opened up space for Pavone and Pavone kicks it out to Julian Araujo. Araujo now sees Zubak sort of leaning towards that, that middle pole or that front post and Pavone stalls his run, creates sort of this 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 gap and you can sort of see Sebastian Legette come in. It's something that we're going to try to talk to uh, Julian Araujo about I think it's an important thing to sort of see what he saw on some of these plays but you know you get the LA Galaxy who created chances they probably could have scored one or two more goals in this game and then you look at the chances that LAFC had and I'm here to tell you there weren't that many as a matter of fact if you go look and they I, I somebody posted the game flow um, chart which basically was the expected goals for each team in this game the LA Galaxy finished with 1.46 expected goals um, and LAFC uh, finished with an expected goals of 0.41. Um, if you don't know anything about expected goals and sort of how it goes, the thing you need to understand here is, you know, given the chances that you have and in the position you're at, it gives you a percentage of how likely you are to score basically from that position. Um, the LA Galaxy, you know, basically had some good chances to have almost one and a half goals and they ended up getting two goals. The Sebastian Legette one is actually a pretty low, uh, low percentage uh, ball that went in, that type of thing. But if you go over to LAFC in the .41, there is really an understanding the LA Galaxy did not let LAFC take their shot, did not let LAFC get in dangerous positions. Um, and because of that, we're able to do things like counter through and and just smart running. And, you know, we saw some of those counters fizzle out. Absolutely. But it kept LAFC on their toes. And when you look at the substitution patterns and sort of what happened in here, for one, Guillermo actually used three subs, Kevin, and those three subs were in before the 82nd minute. So, you know, he's allowed five, but he's never going to make five. I don't think, you know, that could be a bet uh, about when he's actually going to ever make five subs subs. Uh, LAFC, on the other hand, made five subs and had all five subs in at the 65th minute. So, um, you know, uh, Guillermo wasn't forced to sort of uh, to move his hand or, or to move things up. Um, and he got the guys in that needed to be. I, I think you look at the bench in this and you see Jonathan Dos Santos on the bench. You see Sasha Kleschen, you know, on the bench. You see Jonathan Klinsman as the number two comes into the team as now the number two goalkeeper. That's pretty quick in order to do that. Um, but it, it says some things. But having Sasha Kleschen and having Jonathan Dos Santos on the bench um, was another huge addition because in the 65th minute, Jonathan Dos Santos comes out and he gets 25 minutes out there and he calms the whole game down again. Um, so there were some really smart things that happened in this game. And I think if you're an LA Galaxy fan, it shows you a glimmer of what this team can be. And technically, you know, in the starting lineup without Jonathan Dos Santos, without, um, you know, Chicharito, Kevin. So there's there's even more room to grow in this. And, and you know, Yanni, uh, Yanni Gonzalez is also, um, you know, going to be coming into this into this game as well. So or into this team as well. So um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of positives in this. You don't want to take it too far because we've seen what the LA Galaxy have done. But there's some there's some bright spots to this. Well, I talked to Daniel Steris today about the idea that uh, Guillermo talked about after the game of using two weeks to prepare for this game and the game plan for LAFC. And Daniel Steris said it, there was more than planning for uh, one game. He said it was a kind of resetting and figuring out what we're going to be doing uh, to get better as a team. That's how they use the month of August. He said, we can say that it's all fixed and that we got it right because of what happened with LAFC, he said, but it's just one game and we've got to continue it. And I don't think uh, enough has been said about how difficult this galaxy schedule is. First of all, 
this return to play with MLS. You know, remember, here's a, a team that played three games in five and a half months. Now they're going to play five games in 15 days. Yeah, the, uh, so you're going to say, yeah, they're rested. Yeah, they're rested, but they're not game fit because the only way you get game fit is by playing games. So they've got five games in 15 days. And you know what? Th- three of the teams are going to play in four of those games because they play LAFC twice. They're teams that have won a trophy in the last year. LAFC won the Supporters' Shield. Portland, who they, they play at Galaxy Play in Portland, they won the MLS's back tournament. And then Seattle, is who comes in on Wednesday, is the defending MLS Cup champion. I mean, that is a tough, tough schedule. So, uh, you know, the Galaxy have a right to celebrate and, and, and should celebrate this victory. But as Daniel Starris and David Bingham said, um, it starts all over again on Wednesday. And if they don't build on that momentum, um, the game really technically means nothing and again this schedule there I, I, there is nobody i don't even have to look at the schedule there's nobody else in mls that is playing anywhere near as difficult schedule as the galaxy are playing in in the phase one here of the mls return to play yeah it's that um you know i worry about the physicality the the galaxy were very physical in this lafc game i'm not going to say they were overly physical i don't think they were um but they were physical there was nothing about this game that was um you know played on on the on the tiptoes all right these were hard professional challenges at all sort of uh levels um you saw guys getting into it you saw pushing and shoving as you'd expect um you know in in this rivalry game uh christian pavone to me now has has shown an even different level than than perhaps um, before. I think he's played Kevin. I think the stat was he's played in seventeen games and he has seventeen goals plus assists. Um, when you add those together in those seventeen games, he, he's clearly a difference maker. He's clearly somebody who is. Uh, I I think you can say is is maybe too good for Major League Soccer. Um, he's clearly a guy who has a lot of talent and the. The indication from GBS during you know the the MLS's back tournament in Orlando was to put Pavone up on an island and, and sort of have everybody else sort of support him. Um, moving Zubac up there was was a risk and a gamble. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is getting you know his second start of the year. He doesn't have I don't know. Did he have any starts last year? He may have had. Nope, it was the second MLS start. Yeah, so his second MLS start, he gets his first MLS goal. Um, listen, he missed a sitter. He certainly should have put one in, another one in. Um, and so there were some things he has to work up, but his running was smart. His work rate was hard. I mean, you know, I'll talk about it because I think it's important. It was hot. Um, it was 93 degrees. It was humid. Um, and that's a tough thing to play in. It's also tough to go to Orlando and kick off at 730 at night and have it be 90 plus degrees and, you know, 100% humidity. Um, so, you know, looking at all those things, that's not those aren't easy conditions, but those conditions didn't favor one team or the other. Um, the Galaxy wanted it more and you could see it in this game. This is absolutely one of those games. LAFC, I think, thought they were going to walk over the LA Galaxy quite rightfully so the way the galaxy have been playing um but they thought they were going to walk over the la galaxy and the galaxy said no we're not going to allow that to happen we had talked on thursday about how the galaxy need to make these games competitive not only did they make this game competitive they they flat out you know slapped lafc across the face as far as i'm concerned well, and, and there was no reaction and, and you have to say when you talk about the heat yeah it was really hot and then even more so was the humidity it was the the air was really thick there was a you couldn't see this on tv but there was some sort of a fire not far from the stadium and at one point early in the first half there was a bunch of black smoke that came over the stadium that i'm sure impacted the players but you know what it was as hot and as humid on the galaxy side as it was on the lafc side that no team had an advantage uh in that heat both teams 
uh, had to play in the same conditions. So, it, you know, it's an even playing field. That, that whole thing about, well, it rained. Well, yeah, it rained on the other team, too. Or uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was dark or it was cold. It's cold for both teams. In this case, it was hot and humid and difficult conditions for both teams. Uh, and you know what? Another thing that... It, interesting without the fans that does make a difference and it, it's uh, you know uh, when you are playing in those difficult conditions and it gets hard and you have to reach for that extra you know uh, extra uh, gear to, to keep going when there aren't fans there you have to find it within and I think the Galaxy had that within them and LAFC just couldn't find that little extra oomph they needed and, and that made a huge difference. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it certainly, it, it certainly did. Uh, in in regular season play, the Galley Galaxy are three one and three, um, all time against LAFC. Uh, now that's one zero oh, and two at Bank of California. We talked about it. Uh, first win for a road team in El Trafico. First shutout. Shut yep. Yeah. For for a uh, for an El Trafico as well. I mean, usually we're expecting seven goals in this stuff, and you got two goals, and it was. Listen, it was a more tame El Trafico in terms of it. You know, it wasn't always crazy. I think it was Dan Stairs who said after the game or um, I don't remember if it's after the game or in the media availability days. Like, you know, we're used to seeing these, you know, crazy games um, that, that go on between these two, uh, these two teams. And he, he said, you know, as a defender, he wanted to, to calm that down. He wanted to stop that. Uh, that was a goal of his. And it was a goal of the defenses to this isn't going to be a crazy game. This is going to be a controlled game and we're going to control it. You can see the mindset that went into this. And, you, you know, if you're an L.A. Galaxy fan, Kevin, you have to be hoping that this L.A. Galaxy team learns something. Something about themselves in this not only how to go 90 minutes but the fact that they're what effort they're capable of giving um on any given day and this is the effort now that is expected from them um you know anything less than this is going to seem like a letdown and you're going to play against a very good seattle team coming up uh and you know seattle just went into into portland and smacked portland around three to nothing although a game very i think reminiscent of uh, a lot of the la galaxy games earlier which is this game is close for a certain amount of time and then all of a sudden it's not uh and it gets out of control there are a few advantages the Galaxy have in that Seattle played on Sunday. The Galaxy had an extra day to recover. Seattle is also traveling, and it's an 8 o'clock game. By the way, uh, if you're going to tune in on TV, it was originally listed at 7.30. It was 7.30 as of late Saturday. It's now been changed to 8 o'clock. Um, that's a difficult thing for Seattle because, you know, under the new MLS rules, they will travel day of game, play day of game, and turn around and go back. Probably won't get back on their chart until one thirty or 2 in the morning. It's a long day for Seattle. That's not, uh, you know, making excuses for anybody. Um, it is just a, what, two-and-a-half-hour flight from Seattle. Um, so it's, it's not like they're going cross-country. Um, but it, what you said about now we see how good the Galaxy can be, Sometimes that can be unfortunate, and that now we it really raises the bar, and so you know you you can't accept the mediocrity that maybe uh, you know I think we were all looking for if they play well if if they would have had a draw with LAFC I think a lot of people would have been happy if they had played a decent game now we know what they're capable of, uh, and anything less than that is is going to seem like they phoned it in you know what I mean I I just think it's raised the bar and raised the expectations and now it's up to the and they were geeked up the clearly the team was geeked up to play LAFC because of the 6-2 to two game in Orlando, the way LAFC gloated over that, um, the way the Galaxy had had sort of their manhood questioned in Orlando by, by GBS numerous times, who, you know, he accused the players of quitting. All those things fed into that. This was a, 
a, a revenge game in a lot of ways. Um, now, again, the, the important thing is that the games do not get any easier and they come much faster now. Uh, and, and, but we know what the galaxy are capable of. And now they have to live up to that new reality. Yeah, my, uh, my favorite quote, by the way, post-game of, of this came from Sebastian Legette. And let's point out, um, there were some guys on this team who certainly have been getting a lot of pressure from the fans, and I'd say some from some of the media, myself included, that's fine, um, about their performances as, as of late. Um, you know, one is Perry Kitchen, certainly. One is David Bingham, certainly. Um, and, and another one would be Sebastian Legette. So this, you know, him getting a goal and I think having one of his better performances of this season and yeah it's only six games in but uh you know i think the la galaxy need a lot more out of sebastian legette if they're going to get you know targeted allocation money uh which is what he's making um out of his position the position changed helped him immensely i think well finding the position he's comfortable i mean if you i don't know if he's comfortable in the middle i think he's better i don't know if he's come more comfortable out wide i have yet to figure out and i'm not certainly not gonna like i'll sit on the fence on this and keep waiting to sort of be proved right or wrong in, in one you know position or the other, but he was good in this game. All right, I don't. If for me as a central attacking midfielder, I'd like to be able to see him find balls that break through lines a little bit more to be able to find and play guys through a little bit more. I think he's too much um, horizontal and he needs to be a little more vertical. That's my critique. Maybe Guillermo wants him doing exactly what he's doing. I don't know, but Sebastian Legette played good on this uh, on the day. Uh, he scored a goal. He did things that he needed to do. He got stuck in when he needed to get stuck in. There were challenges. There were passes. You know, uh, LAFC had the higher pass rating. LAFC had the more passes. The LA Galaxy, um, you know, didn't have the the best passing percentage and didn't have the most passes. But it didn't matter because the Galaxy were in control of that game for most of that game. But Sebastian Legette afterwards, and you can tell there's some relief in this. You can tell that there's you know a chip on the shoulder. Said this after the game he goes it was a hot day and it was tough for both teams but i thought we performed the best we knocked them off their high horse i know they did what they did in orlando to us but we have to focus on now and hopefully we shut them up a little bit um there was pride being played and whether it was uh david bingham today in the press conference saying you know we don't value anybody's opinion who's not in the uh, locker room with us that was certainly a shot at all of the fans and it was a shot at mostly the media i would imagine um mainly but, you i think yeah, it was pro- it was probably me i'm sure david bingham listens to this podcast all the time and reads all hey, my dave. stories yeah <laughs> hey david come on the show anytime you want um no but he sings he's taking a shot and if the LA Galaxy want to play the game, Kevin, which it certainly seems like they're setting themselves up to, is that nobody respects us and we're the underdog and nobody thinks we were capable of doing anything, then they can position themselves that way. However they want to position themselves in the locker room is fine. Being outside the locker room, and clearly in my opinion, doesn't matter, um, which by the way, I agree with David Bingham on that. They shouldn't pay attention to anything that you know we or the fans say outside of the locker room. That's good. Stay inside. You know, keep that going. Um, band together. But if they, you know, uh, as the outsider here, Kevin, I can't tell you that the LA Galaxy ever get to play the underdog. They're not the underdog. Um, they may have been the underdog in a game where they probably should have lost, but they won that game clearly hands down. Uh, it just goes to show you what they're capable of and why they're not the underdog. This is a five-time MLS Cup champion. We've talked about it many times. This is the crown jewel of Major League Soccer, and they have sucked 
for years and years now. It, it feels like it wasn't that long, but it really was. You go back to 2014 and 2015 being a little bit of a letdown, 2016 being a letdown. Then you have the disaster in 2017, 2018. Uh, 2019 gets a little bit better. Um, they make it to the playoffs, but it's not the level the LA Galaxy are supposed to be at. So if they want to play the underdog and that gets them fired up and that's the the mindset they want to do, go for it. I'm just telling you from my perspective sitting out here, the five-time five time MLS Cup champions don't get to play that game. Um, but if it works for them, they should keep doing it. Well, I heard that David Bingham has one of those cutouts of you in the locker room, like in Major League. And <laughs> yes. every time they win a game, they take off another piece of clothing. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would want that. Dave Bingham wants to get you naked by the end of the season. That's I, what I heard. I do not believe that for a second. Uh, but yeah, I've heard those rumors as well. I, I agree with you 100%. But, but no, you're, you're right. I mean, I... I personally think that that uh, uh, idea of having an outside enemy and and trying to prove them wrong with while saying you're not listening to them that whole thing that David Bingham is clearly trying to do I think that's really effective a lot of the time however you are absolutely right and a lot of players talked about this we are a big club um, the expectations are here here are higher Jonathan dos Santos talks about it all the time and Sebastian Legit mentions it a lot too I think Daniel Sturris mentioned it it was funny Daniel Sturris uh, talked right after David Bingham and they, they didn't listen to each other but I think <laughs> they contradicted contradicted each other and that Bingham was saying you know we don't listen to anybody uh, you know the expectations are all are ours and then I think Sturris was the one that said you know like you said, we're the five-time MLS champions. We're a big club. You know, we have higher expectations that come from the outside. So, um, it, you know, whatever works, you know, I, different things will work for different players. I get what David Bingham was talking about. I think that's effective a lot of times, but it does, it, it works better for the Columbus crew than it does for uh, the five-time MLS champions. These guys have been the gold standard of MLS since it started. And, uh, you know, they, they like to have that cock, cocky walk. And so you can't then turn around and say, there are no expectations on us except the ones we put on ourselves. That doesn't work. You can't have both. LA Galaxy put in one heck of a performance on Saturday. It was an enjoyable game to watch. There were some beautiful moves in that game. Uh, I suggest going back and looking at it anytime you want. Um, I'm not saying that a full copy and replay of that game is available on our LA Galaxy Discord that we have started at Corner of the Galaxy. I'm not saying that because I would never say that. Uh, but maybe you should ask one of our 330 members. We were, we're growing rapidly. Even the Panda uh, is now on Discord as well. We got Larry Morgan not on Twitter. Um, as L-M-N-O-T, Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, um, is in the Discord as well on occasion there. So lots of people there. You're more than welcome to check it out. Um, if you need to, you can link. I will link it once again. I always say don't expire the link, and sometimes I think it always expires the link. But um, I will put it in the show notes for this for this show as well. Uh, you can click into it, and you can join us on Discord, and we'd be happy to have you there. Um, there's some really great conversations that are going on there. There's some funny stuff that's in there as well. Uh, it's a really active, active group in terms of, I know that as I'm recording this right now, Kevin, I will go back and there'll probably be 50 or 60 messages that will be uh, up on that Discord. So uh, a place for everybody to go for sure and, and and you can go interact a little bit. All right. Um, just wanted to plug that before we do it. Let's let's switch gears now. Uh, let's go to uh, something special that we wanted to do. And, uh, you know, this is... One of those things, Kevin, you and I had talked about getting Julian Araujo on the show before he went and had one of the best games of his young MLS career. It just happens to work out that he became a cult hero in this LAFC game, and we had already been lining him up for this podcast. So we win this time. We got one right. Uh, so without much further ado, let's welcome to the show uh, LA Galaxy defender and midfielder, Mr. Julian Araujo. 
Julian, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. I'm glad to be able to, to be on, on this podcast and uh, talk talk a little about everything. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we did, Before we get to the game, though, Julian, um, I reached out to your mom on Friday when I saw your tweet. Um, I, your mom's great, by the way. I talked to her a lot, and uh, <laughs> you know she's great. Um, but I, I saw your tweet, that, and anyone who didn't see it, people, you should start following Julian Araujo on social media. Good stuff there. But you tweeted out Friday. Now, this is when you're thinking about the game, you're preparing for the game. And you tweet out, I want to use my platform to bring attention to the grueling conditions and low pay that our field workers are experiencing every day. If anyone has any further information on ways that I can help, please reach out. These men and women deserve better. And you immediately got hit back by a number of MLS stars, uh, Hercules Gomez as well. Um, I know you grew up in Lompoc, but your mom worked for the school district. Your dad's a truck driver. Um, I I assume there are farm fields all over the place there, and you've seen the farm workers. What made you decide to do that, to tweet that out? Uh, my grandparents, um, my, my dad, my mom, my uncles and aunts, um, you know, just, just the stories that, that they've told me um, from a young, a young kid. I, I know what, what they had to go through as, as young, young adults. Um, they all worked. They're coming from Mexico. They all worked in the fields. Um, for me, it was, um, it was something that really hit my heart. Like I, like I donated, um, donated stuff to the field workers before, but I think this, this one's has hurt me a lot more just because all the fires and everything are going on. The heat, it, I mean, I'm at practice and I'm, and I'm dying of, of the heat because I'm running and everything. And I can only imagine them. They have sweaters on, they, they're working from countless hours and, and it's just crazy. You know, I, I just think that, that they deserve better. And I, I want to do everything in my power to help them and I'm going to continue to help them. Um, I know it was before a game, but it, I had to, I had to tweet what I wanted to tweet, um, what was on my mind to just to get it out a little bit. Um, I'm actually doing a little bit more research right now on like, uh, on the farm workers and how, trying to, trying to get, trying to put something together right now. Um, hopefully I can, I can, uh, reach out to a lot more people to, to help me out. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely do want to help them out in the future. Like, uh, as soon as possible, I'm, I'm doing the research, trying to, trying to gain knowledge on, on what I can do. Um, but yeah, it, it, they definitely do deserve better. And, uh, just like, like you asked, um, just my grandparents, you know, just what, what they had to go through and to just to feed their families and, and the conditions that they had to work to make money. So I think that that's what hit me the most. Uh, Julian, I was going to say, you know, one of the things I wanted to follow up, you, you mentioned it, this isn't the first time that you've gotten involved in this. Um, and, and I remember that I think you, you donated so, some meals to some of the farm workers that were out there doing some stuff. And, and I reached out and I remember reaching out to the LA Galaxy and saying, hey, you know, tell me a little bit more about this. Um, and, and the Galaxy were like, hey, you know, Julian did this on his own. This isn't really ours. So I can try to get yeah. you more information type of thing. So, I mean, you know, there, there seems to be a drive from you is, is, you know, this this seems to be, you know, very important from you. And you can hear from from the way you're talking about it. But you, you really are driving this bus. This isn't some, you know, people are going to be cynical. They're going to say this is some PR stunt. This this is not a PR stunt for you, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, I didn't, I didn't let anybody know. I didn't let anybody know that I wanted to do it. I just gave my mom a call one day, gave my agent a call and told him, look, I want to donate and um, whatever I can do, can you just organize it? I was busy during the time. I think we were preparing for, for a couple games, but I got in contact with my mom and told her, uh, this is what I want to do. Um, can you just please organize it? And uh, whatever I got, whatever I have to do, I, I'll do it. Um, yeah, but no, Galaxy also reached out to me like the same day, the next day, telling me why didn't I tell them? Um, but it's great for me. They were all happy for me. They they think that that it's a good it's a good uh like it's something to fight for. So that's that's why I did it. How did that? Um, so you do that, you get the recognition, uh, you know, as I said, from Bill Hamid and other people around the league. 
Then you go out the next day and have your greatest game as an MLS player. You think there's any connection there? People are going to start talking about karma and, you know, you do. Yeah, a good, good karma for sure. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I don't know. I think it was just, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I really don't do it for recognition or anything. I, I just, I just bring back to the, to the, to the conditions that my parents and all my family had to go through. You know, I, I it wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about good karma or anything like that. I just wanted to do it out of my heart. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I can, I can definitely agree with good karma though, because I, I definitely did have a game. Um, but no, yeah. Let, let, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Julian. Um, you know, this is a this is a game that I, I'd have to imagine most LA Galaxy fans weren't exactly looking forward to. Um, you guys have struggled out of the gate in 2020. Obviously, the the Orlando tournament wasn't the way that you guys wanted it to go. So all those things are sort of leading up to this. What was the the vibe for the team headed into this game? Did you feel like there was a chance to to get something done to turn a corner here, or was it more? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, definitely. You know, coming back from from the six two loss, um, coming back from the just the, the MLS back tournament, the MLS is back tournament. I, I think coming back from that, getting back the next day, having one day off, and then training the next day, we we were we were already having a different mindset. We we knew that we wanted to win. We knew that we what we had to fight for, and we knew that um, that it would take a lot. And I think all of us just kind of put our heads down and started taking a lot of information from the coaches and and everybody around us, and just um, just try to help each other out and be supportive of everything. And um, you know, uh, training was very, very hard. Um, we all got stuck in. It was very intense. It was something that I knew everybody since since we got back. We we were all looking forward to this game. We we knew that we were going to play them again, and we knew that we had a chance to beat them. And uh, we knew that it was going to be the first time uh, an MLS can, or uh, Galaxy beat beat uh, LAFC at their house. And we want we wanted to be that team. And we went out there and did what we had to do. Um, we trained hard, and all the tra- all the hard hard training. Um, at, at practice uh, came into play. I, I, you don't remember this, I'm sure, but I, I remember it when you first got called up. It's the first time I met your mom and dad and all your relatives that came down and, and met with them in the parking lot at, at uh, uh, Dignity Health Sports Park mm-hmm. and talked to you after the game. So if you were uh, 17 at the time, uh, really shy, you, you know, you weren't comfortable around the media. You didn't seem to be comfortable maybe even around some of your teammates. It was also new to you. Now look at you. I mean, you're a confident guy. You're tweeting this stuff out on social media. You're taking a stand. And before Josh starts talking about it, I want to bring up what happened on the field. <laughs> you got into it with some LAFC guys. That's a different Julian Araujo that we saw two years ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, coming into the league and, and not really knowing and prepare, or not knowing what it was like. I mean, yeah, I was definitely shy. I was nervous. I, was, I wasn't comfortable. I was um, just, just trying to find ways to, to play and, and uh, gain confidence and you know, throughout my years of training or throughout my, my days of training, I've, I've just gained that the, the coaches, the, my teammates, they've all, they've all helped me gain that confidence. And that's what made me the player I am today, you know, just working hard as a kid and, and trying to, trying to just relax and, and be calm during the situations that I get my opportunity. Um, and just try to be, try to play as best as I can. I mean, give the crests as, as much as, and everything they deserve. Um, that's how I go out every day, every day at training. Even though the fans aren't there, I want to give the best to, to the crest and for myself and for everybody that supported me since I was a young kid. Um, um, uh, sorry, sorry. I, I got sidetracked. No, no, you were good. Um, but, <laughs> I was, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely that LAFC game. I mean, it's a it's a tough game. It's a game that, that I've dreamed of playing since, since, a, since a young guy. It was like a championship game to me, you know. Um, I he choked me so I I reacted the way I did you know it's 
I'm going to be like that every game. It doesn't matter if it's LAFC, if it's San Jose, if it's Portland Timbers, if it's somebody else. I'm going to be the way I am. I want to be feisty. I want to be – I want to win. So, uh, yeah, but it, it was definitely a whole a whole different Julian. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it did work out. But, I mean, there's more to that, though, Julian, because we've seen in these games, in the rivalry games, whether it's San Jose, whether it's LAFC, whoever you're playing, that if players like yourself step up and they show maybe that little bit extra passion for for, for what is you know what it means to be an LA Galaxy player, that you, that the fans notice that. Have you been getting some some fan yeah, love yeah. here recently? I would imagine Definitely. it's 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 yeah, through yeah. the roof because because you're yeah. you, you basically became in in a short amount of time within one play and, and clearly you know you had two assists on the on on the day as well. Let's not underplay that. But in that one moment where you're standing up to three LAFC players, uh, realistically, and I've seen it all across social media for the last couple of days now, is you became a cult hero in LA Galaxy fans minds this is this is how it starts do you do you feel that yeah i definitely do i mean i appreciate all the love from all the galaxy fans i've gotten messages on on instagram on twitter from from everybody you know i don't know even some guys got my whatsapp my my number (laughs) people are whatsapping me and stuff i mean i don't mind it at all but uh yeah i I appreciate everyone you know and definitely like i said before i want to give everything to the crest and and them realizing that is just it's just like my hard work paying off and i and i appreciate that um, but I'll, I'll just continue to do that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I've get, I've been getting a lot of love from them. I've been seeing tweets, and and they don't go unnoticed. I see every tweet that that everybody's tweeting about about uh, like just putting that little video of me getting into it with Palacios and other other two three guys, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've definitely been getting a lot of love. <laughs> well, to to help those fans reach out to you, Josh, what what do you say? Uh, we give Julian's uh, telephone number. Yeah, here yeah, we'll the, just, <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just pass it out to everybody. That's what that's what we always do on the show. Anyway, no, no, we we won't do that. Go ahead, Kevin. By the way, if you hear that ambient noise there, Julian's actually at a driving range because he's trying to become a two sport athlete. So that's the noise you hear behind us. Um, it, Julian, can you briefly, I mean, um, talk us through the two assists because the first one to Ethan Zubik, that was a perfect cross from. From distance, you hit him right on top of the head, and there were there were four guys, Galaxy guys, charged into the box. And then the second one, the one hop pass to Sebastian. Obviously, you saw something as you were coming uh, up the right wing. You saw yeah, Sebastian definitely. breaking into the box. Yeah. So the first play was actually a set play. I mean, I was supposed to overlap um, um, Pavon, but I knew the defender was going to come close to him, so I just waited there. Um, I, I just crossed the ball in and I, and I knew that our players were going to be there. I just tried to be calm in that situation and, um, and just put it in the box. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did what, what I had to do. I mean, I, it was, it was definitely a good cross. Um, the second goal I seen Sebastian, I seen Zubek actually take the, take the defender or the, I think, I don't know who it was blessing. I think, um, take him, take him to the near post. And I seen Sebastian raising his hand at the back post and I knew he was going to go to the penalty box. So I kind of just uh, try to clip it in there a little soft so he can get to it. But yeah, he he did what he had to do. He got to the ball, and I just I just played it in there and, and hope hoped he would get there. Have you seen the slow mo angle of the of the second assist where um, I don't know who was trying to close you down on LAFC, but that cross that you put kind of went like right up under his arm and sort of wrapped around him. I mean, if 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 he's an inch or two in one direction, he probably stops that. Did you realize it was that close whenever you were going to be able to put that through? Uh, no, I didn't even realize that. I just, I just wanted to play it first time because I seen him before I even got the ball. I knew that I knew that Sebastian was alone in the back post. So I just wanted to get it to, I just wanted to get there and, and just clip it over. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it ended up working out well. The the one thing I think my final sort of question that I, that I certainly want to ask you is, you know, uh, Guillermo was talking today during his media availability, and he was talking about you, and you know, they were talking about the maturity that was there, of course. But um, you know, we should raise the point. You're you're kind of technically, I almost I almost can't say this anymore though. Um, you're kind of playing out of position at right mid. Um, because yeah. because you're more of a right back, and Guillermo talks about how you know how to play right mid because you played it when you were young. And I keep sitting there going, you know, the dude's 19. It wasn't that long. It couldn't have been that long ago. But at the same time, you yeah. couldn't have like it wasn't like oh, you played it all the way from you know 15 to 22. You you. It, <laughs> it, I mean, so so how how difficult is it sort of being in that right mid you know position? And and it's it's a different role you know in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, how, how's that adjustment been? So, I mean, it's it's been difficult at times. I think one of the things that I got to work at at that position is just my positioning when we're in the attack. It's, it's a lot different from um, from um, the right back position. Um, I think I'm doing pretty good at the at the fact that he wants me to close the middle down and, and force them to play out wide because I'm fast enough to get out wide and, and close them down. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've adjusted really well to. Um to me, it's not that re- that big of a problem. I enjoy playing it because I get to go up and down, and, and I and I get to defend and attack, uh, just like right back. I get to defend and attack. Um, I think it's just me being a little bit m- more free. Um, but you know, it, it definitely has been hard. But with the with the uh, advice that I've gotten from from the players that actually play that position, midfield or or even just all the veterans and everybody at the at the club uh, the staff they they all always give me a little bit of advice going into every day or going into a game what to do i'm always preparing preparing and trying to take in that knowledge um but yeah no it, it definitely has been hard i mean i didn't i played i played a uh, right right wing left wing attacking mid when i was younger like 10 11 12 <laughs> okay not all that long ago yeah. <laughs> yeah not that long ago but yeah and then I started playing right back, and and I, and I and I definitely do got a lot more to learn at right back. But I mean, it's good. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna prepare me for the long run, um, and my in my, my future for for my career. And I, and I think it's it's a it's a good thing that I'm learning at a young age um, to play both positions because uh, I, I I never know what's gonna happen. And I'm glad that that they're teaching me it now. And and I think so far I've I've done a done a pretty well job. But um, I, I will continue to learn and, and try to be better each and every day. Kevin, Kevin, why don't you uh, you close it out for us here, and then yeah, I will I, I, mean, I will do the outro. I think when you talk about, I mean, at a young age, you you haven't played a ton of games in MLS, and you're changing positions in a rivalry game for a team that's struggling. You know, I mean, just add all that up, and it just seemed to be an immense amount of pressure for you to come through the way that you did. And by the way, everybody. Uh, Julian made the MLS team of the week uh, um, this week. So congratulations on that. I, I do think, Thank you so much. I, I do think that the skills that you're showing, though, the, being able to play uh, as an outside back, being able to play as a winger, really seems to fit in with what Greg Berhalter wants with the national team. And I know you were frustrated when you were called in the January camp and didn't get to play. But we've seen what outside backs, you know, you think about what Alfonso Davies, uh, you know, showed uh, with Bayern Munich and, and the way outside backs are playing now that your ability to get forward and to show that you can play as a midfielder, but you're also an outside back. I mean, it, it just seems like it's a perfect uh, setup for you to really become a, a figure, you know, with the national team uh, going forward. And I know that's something that, that you want to do as well, correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. We really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us. And uh, 
the the tweet was really special and and again I, that's uh, it, I, when I contacted your mom I had no idea you were going to go out and get two assists the next day and we'd have a game to talk about <laughs> as well we just wanted to talk about the tweet but I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with us no thank you guys so much and for anybody listening if you guys have any information about the the farm workers please reach out to me or or Kevin or Josh and and they can get in contact with me I'd really appreciate it and I definitely want to continue to help out and uh, and those that want to help out uh, we can all we can all make a make a change and difference in in, uh, in all those men and women's lives so thank you guys so much i'm glad i was able to be a part of the the corner of the galaxy podcast and uh hopefully we i can come on again in the in the future and uh thank you yeah julian you. julian you're welcome back anytime uh I, you know I, I noticed they have you listed at five nine i have imagined that uh, galaxy fans have you at about six seven about this time so uh we're glad oh, to have yeah. you on fan favorite so anytime you want to come back on you're more than welcome but we appreciate you stopping by all right go hit, go hit some golf balls I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much once again, and hope to talk soon. All right, thanks. thanks. All right, there he goes, Julian Araujo, uh, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I become more swings. Uh, yeah, off to off to hit a couple more golf balls and, and do all that stuff. Uh, I am you and I. I think we talked a little bit during the interview. Uh, you certainly mentioned it, but you know we have met uh, Julian whenever he had first gotten called up, and uh, you told a little story about interviewing uh, him and I think uh, his mom and, and his dad um, sort of before uh, a game, and I was in the parking lot with you, I remember. I think you forgot your recorder, and so I recorded the whole thing, so that's why I was there. But I remember that, and you had you know sort of a soft-spoken guy, um, wasn't that sort of, you know, wasn't that confident, wasn't there. You mentioned it in the interview, this, this is a different man, and we should say that. This is a different man. This is not a kid. This is a man. Um, and he knows what he wants to do. He has his convictions. Uh, he plays with a passion uh, that is not easily matched or easily found in places. And having covered the LA Galaxy, you know, since at least 2009, I can tell you that's not something you see all that often. Um, this is this is just a different kid. Well, and you know, I love his mom, Lupe. She's great, and his dad is a truck driver. Um, uh, that's where. Julian gets us from. I mean, he, he's got his heart in the right place. He's got his mind in the right place. Um, he's beginning to feel a little more confident. This was a guy that was in the Barcelona Academy, by the way, the one in Phoenix, not the one in, in Barcelona. Um, but you know, just as elite, uh, a program, um, he's beginning to feel that he belongs now. Uh, but the, the humble guy, the soft-spoken guy, the good kid, all those traits, that's what he got from his mom and his dad. And, and obviously as he talked about their background, uh, he knows what hard work is all about, too. Um, and he knows what sacrifice is all about. His mom used to drive him two hours one way uh, to to soccer training every day when he was growing up to, so he could play for these elite clubs. So, um, you know, it, it's just a really good family. Uh, again, his mom, Lupe, his father, Jorge, it's just a really good group of people. And they are so behind him. There was a picture, some pictures I saw on social media today of it, the extended Araujo family all wearing their number 22 jerseys. And I guess watch, they were watching the game on TV maybe. But um, just a really good family. And it's it's impossible, not hard, it's impossible not to cheer for Julian. Yeah, yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. Uh, he had a great game um, and seems like a great guy. So hopefully uh, we can have him back on the podcast here soon. And Kevin, before we get any further, if if you don't take that pen out of your hand, I will come over there and beat you with it. 
All right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just letting you know. I just, I can hear it. I don't know if it ever actually gets picked up on the show. Either your squeaky chair, your telephone ringing, you clicking a pen. You're, you're a very noisy person. I'm just, I'd like to point that. I'm out. using a different chair just so that you, uh, you don't <laughs> hear the squeak anymore. People miss the squeaky chair whenever you don't have it. So I just wanted to, to point that out. All right. Uh, let's get through the LA Galaxy weekly schedule. Uh, it is Monday. The LA Galaxy had some media availability today. Uh, GBS talked. Daniel Starris talked. David Bingham's talked. We sort of uh, touched on some of those things there. The LA Galaxy will train on Tuesday. Then it is a game against the Seattle Sounders on Wednesday, 8 p.m. It's on Unamas and TUDN. All right. So that's where you can find it. Uh, look for that game. You're going to look for, I believe, the SAP function. There's a good chance that's also possibly being streamed on Twitter as well. So if you can't get it, maybe that's the best place to do it. Um, otherwise, it's in Espanol. For those of you who love Espanol, it'll be on there as well. So the Galaxy will host the Seattle Sounders, um, and we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, Thursday is training. Friday is training. The LA Galaxy then host uh, the San Jose Earthquakes on Saturday. Uh, so that's something to watch as well. Uh, that game's going to be 7.30 p.m. kickoff time on Spectrum Sportsnet. I've heard a rumor. I don't know how true this rumor is, so I will just throw it out there and sort of tell you. I've heard that the majority of these games that are going to be played uh, throughout the end of this are going to be on Spectrum. So uh, you might want to adjust uh, how you watch and in different ways. Um, but I can tell you that I, so far that rumor seems to at least be holding up a little bit true. Um, and as soon as we have more TV information, we'll let you know. We don't have it. Uh, they haven't released it. We just found out that, you know, it's on Spectrum Sportsnet on Saturday. We just found out that Univision is, is uh, or excuse me, Unamas. They even have it as Unamas now. Um, Unamas and, and TUDN. So um, check those stations and, and we'll try to provide more clarity as it comes. But uh, this seems like it's a little bit of a patchwork of things sort of being put together here, Kevin. Well, and we don't even know the schedule will be on September 13th. You know, they're, they're supposed to play 18 more games. And we only have scheduled for six. Yeah. So um, a lot of stuff kind of still up in the air now. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way for sure. Uh, the LA Galaxy, again, played LAFC. That was a 2 nothing win. Seattle Sounders on Wednesday, San Jose on Saturday. Away to the Portland Timbers on Wednesday, September 2nd. LAFC at Dignity Health Sports Park, Sunday, September 6th. And then away to the San Jose Earthquakes at Avaya Stadium, Sunday, September 13th. Uh, those are the games that are currently lined up. We'll give you TV information as they come about. All right, uh, some LA Galaxy news. Uh, GBS was talking about uh, Yoni Gonzalez today. Uh, still apparently not in the country. But GBS said uh, that he looked to have had an embassy appointment either today or tomorrow. Remember, recording on Monday. Um, and from there, he should be approved to fly into the United States. We don't know exactly what the coronavirus protocols are. I doubt it's a blanket 14 day um, quarantine period. I have a feeling it's going to be shorter than that with a whole bunch of testing. Um, so I imagine that that's what they're going to do with that. Um, so there is a good chance that within the next seven days that Yona Gonzalez could land here in the United States and actually be training with the LA Galaxy. So something to watch there. Um, it'll be it interesting be to see. How, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say it could be. A, you, you're right. I mean, first of all, the Trump administration had banned travelers uh, from Brazil back in May. I don't know if that's been lifted yet or there, there were certainly a lot of loopholes in it. So, yeah. um, you know, the galaxy with their, their, uh, their army of lawyers, I'm sure can find a way to get around that. But when you say, you know, he could be here training maybe by the start of next week or be eligible to start training. Remember he hasn't played a game since I think March. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it could be one of those things where it's going to take him a little bit of time. I, I personally would not expect to see him until September 13th, probably at the earliest. Um, um, maybe they would even wait to phase two of that. 
But once he gets here, you know, let's say the end of this week, start of next week, starts training. That's the, you know, that's the 24th, 25th. Um, he's going to need some time to get fit to start to learn the way the team plays. I, I don't know if we, we'd see him for the LAFC game, maybe the last game of the first phase, which would be San Jose on the 13th. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a good shout. There is some some training time in there, and it, it just takes a while for all this stuff to happen. It's never as fast. And speaking of taking a while, Chicharito uh, with the calf strain, uh, GBS gave a little bit update, said that Chicharito is not training with the team right now, but could could be training with the team by the end of the week. Um, that means that, you know, he's out for San Jose as far as I'm concerned. Um, but after that, there are questions about whether or not he could be playing um, in some of those other games. I don't know if it would be as fast as, let's say, you know, traveling to Portland on September 2nd. Maybe that makes sense. But then again, you're on turf in Portland at Providence Park. Is that something that you really want to do? So Sunday, September 6th. Uh, when they host LAFC, is that when uh, Chicharito comes back? That seems like a better target date than anything else right now. Um, so it's sort of a matter of, uh, of getting Chicharito back and seeing where he's at, where he's at fitness-wise, um, and then getting him into the starting lineup. The other injury that we had there, Kevin, was Jonathan Dos Santos, who, like we said, played about 25 minutes and looked pretty good in that. So I think everybody's feeling pretty confident about Jonathan's return here, and he'll get some more minutes as it, as it goes forward. Well, you know, I, I think with Chicharito and, and, and even with Gonzalez too, um, one big factor to take a look at is where, how is the team playing? I mean, if if they play like they did against LAFC, there's going to be no rush to get those guys in there. You don't want to break up a winning combination. But if they struggle a little bit, and again, these games are coming fast and furious, if they struggle, we already know depth's been an issue with this team all season. Um even going back to last season, um, maybe those guys, you know, are, are suit up a little earlier than they're ready to. And if things are going well and everyone's playing well in this this new approach that uh, this seems to have come out against LAFC, if if that continues to uh, to work well, maybe they give these guys a little bit extra time. I, I think you're right about Chicharito. I don't see any way he goes to play on artificial turf. And then remember too, another part of that is you play for however many minutes you run around on the artificial turf and then you get in a plane and sit for two hours. Right. That's definitely not the kind of thing that you want to do if you're dealing with an injury, especially a calf. Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a day-by-day a, a day sort of thing for Chicharito, and so everybody sort of needs to take that with a grain of salt, and we'll see how that ends up uh, uh, affecting the starting lineup. But right now, Ethan Zubak, your, uh, your, your goal scorer in the LAFC game, uh, your game-winning goal scorer in the LAFC game, probably is going to get that start up top. I don't expect much uh, in the terms of... Uh, lineup changes. I think there's maybe one or two that you rotate in here, but for the most part, I think everything kind of stays the same. So uh, some interesting stuff coming up for against Seattle um, and sort of the choices that need to be made there. Uh, other LA Galaxy news, Kevin, uh, you and I will probably get a chance to go to the stadium um, here to watch some of these games. It's an extremely limited amount of press that are going to be able to go. However, uh, the LA Galaxy announced today, like some of the other teams and and all sorts of uh, sports across the world is the LA Galaxy are doing fan cutouts. So they're doing cardboard cutouts um, at, to, to make sure that your likeness there, Kevin, is uh, is represented in uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park for some of these games. So uh, there's some options, $50 or $90. I think the $90 are the field side, and it's first come, first served um, in this particular uh, way. And I believe all that money is going to go towards um, towards the LA Galaxy Foundation. So um, however that ends up happening, however it goes, uh, it's some fun. They have a whole bunch of guidelines that you probably need to look at. Um, I doubt you can wear a shirt with Kevin Baxter, Baxter's face on it and 
get that approved. I don't think that's gonna that's gonna fly. I did ask the LA Galaxy if I made a donation to the LA Galaxy Foundation if they would put my cutout up in the press box next to Larry Morgan's cutout in the press box, and whenever the national anthem came on, if Larry could just complain about it because that's what he always does whenever I sit next to him. If he could just if they could just make you know the uh, the uh, the Larry Morgan cutout complain about the national anthem next to you know the Josh Gessman cutout, and then have the Scott French cutout way down at the end, and Kevin the Kevin Baxter the panda cutout at one of the ends. If I just if I put in enough money, I wonder if they'll they'll put the cutouts in the in the press box for me. What do you think? Well, and if you get the cutouts, you get you you get them back at the end of the season, right? You, you do. You can, if, is that, that is that not like a really good reason to get one just because you want a giant cutout of yourself? Is that is that too like weird you like psycho kill? scarecrow or whatever? Yeah, I mean it's good for Halloween certainly. Um, yeah. You know, not maybe not this year, but next year you could dress it up. Uh, those I think there's just you know maybe like if you want to go in the carpool lane, you can use your car your cardboard cutout, right? I mean that's that I mean it's not legal, not even legal in a little bit, but I mean you know you could try it. Um, I just think that may, maybe I could get my card and then I could I could auction it off and somebody could carpool with me um, in their car. What do you think? Is that a, that's not a good idea either. Anyway, carpooling, I like that. I love this. I don't care that other people have done it. I don't care about anything like that. I think it's a great thing and I hope that they do it. The other thing is I saw a picture of Dignity Hell Sports Park today um, and they have some really nice branded uh, you know, seat covers, tarps um, on the east side of the stadium now that they're going to put in there that'll be on the broadcast side. So that way, that's what you're going to see. So uh, those have been done. They've branded those. Those are in the stadium. Um, you know, it's similar to what everybody's sort of been doing in the stadiums, which is tarping off stands um, and sort of having that. So uh, it looks nice. Navy blue, um, some gold in there, uh, the golden yellow uh, logos and some other things. So they're really putting some some effort into how the stadium's going to look. And you're going to get to see that on Wednesday night. So it's kind of kind going to be interesting to see Dignity Health Sports Park and uh, I'm trying to go to the Saturday game if I can pull that off and uh, if I can that I will be there um, to what see that game. Away? What would keep you away? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, it would be getting the hall pass. The hall pass would keep me away right now. That would be it. There's there's not enough people there for, for me to worry about the coronavirus and, and we're going to be, I imagine we're either going to be outside or we're going to be in suites. We sort of talked about different ways that that could happen, but I'm, I'm not worried about that. There's not that many people. I think, you know, 20 press people, 30 press people spread out across the stadium is probably not going to be too much of an issue, um, at least there for me. It was just more getting the hall pass for having an almost nine-month-old baby who's crawling all over the place now. Well, it was very interesting and maybe a little bit uh, scary is probably not the right word, but the way that we had to check in at LAFC and all the security measures and, and uh, getting your temperature taken and where you could go and couldn't go in the stadium and, and uh, you know, the reporters were put in, in suites because of the heat. We used suites and it was two to a suite. You had to keep your mask on the entire time. Uh, you had to stay six feet apart. At one point, um, Delmis and I were waiting to get on an elevator, and we stood in front of the elevator door, as you do. And uh, a guard came along, a stadium worker came along and said, move move six feet away from the elevator because if the door opens, someone may try to get out, and then you're violating their social distancing. And it's like, wow, they really thought of everything. <laughs> and you have to get a – you know how we get season credentials, right? You have to get a credential for every game yes. to make sure that you are checked in for every game, that no one comes with a credential – and they haven't filled out their medical paperwork and haven't had their temperature taken and all that kind of stuff. The weird thing at, at, at LAFC, too, and I don't know if the Galaxy would do this. I assume the regulations are similar from stadium to stadium because I believe these are MLS regu regulations. But you drive up to, this, to the parking lot and there's a guy, there's some people out there in a tent with your credentials. 
you stay in the car, you give them your name, they check the list, they give you your credential, you're still in the car. Then you have to follow a guy in a golf cart and he leads you to a parking space that you can use. Remember, this is an empty parking lot, but you have to follow the golf cart and he, he puts you in a parking space so that there, uh, all the parking spaces are, are socially distanced as well to make sure that you don't park too close to another car. They actually watch you park and make sure you park in the right space. That's, I mean, good because we all know the parking spots in most places in Los Angeles are too small for a car to fit into anyway. So um, all interesting uh, stuff that's coming up and certainly game on Wednesday. Are you trying to go to the game on Wednesday? I will be there. Absolutely. Okay. Not trying. Okay. I will succeed. You will be the good. That's uh, I'm glad that, uh, that somebody will be there. I, I'm not, I didn't put in for that one. I'm trying for Saturday. Hopefully that'll work. Um, let's see. Let's get to rumors now um, because they're starting to swirl again. We've talked about Gonzalo Higuain before. We've talked about Jordi Deweese. Uh, now let's add Mario Balotelli back again, Kevin, because you and I have once uh, uh, talked about him already. And let's add Luis Suarez into the mix as well. Luis Suarez has been told at Barcelona that his services will no longer be needed. What a regime change going on at Barcelona. It's craziness. If you don't see everything that's going on, they're like losing players left and right, it feels like. Um, and, you know, they have a real sort of vision for where they're going. And apparently 33-year-old Luis Suarez is not or is no longer in their picture. So he's at Barcelona. I He has not been linked with the LA Galaxy. Uh, I put his name out there because it should be out there. It's somebody that the LA Galaxy may go after. Uh, quite honestly, uh, Messi, uh, Lionel Messi, is also a name that is out there, and he says that he wants out of Barcelona as well. This could be the final parting um, of Barcelona and Messi in terms of you know ending that uh, long relationship that's there as well. We'll see if anything comes about that. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, things about Suarez, you know, and it's just not Suarez and Messi. It's Piquet and right. Vidal, and uh, you know, just about anybody that's over thirty uh, is, is going to be moved in, and they all are owed a ton of money. Suarez still has a very rich contract. Um, Barcelona appears willing to eat much of that. I mean, they know that there are very few clubs in the world that are going to be able to pay his salary, and those clubs are not going to help Barcelona by taking them off their hands. So uh, Ajax, where uh, Suarez played uh, when he first came to Europe, they're very interested. Barcelona would have to you know, reach some sort of financial sentiment with them. But when you're talking about guys like Balotelli, the thing that gets me is when these rumors come up for the Galaxy, and uh, you talk about Balotelli and you talk about Suarez, and these are guys that even if you cut their salary uh, you know, by a tenth, even if you give them a tenth of their salary, it's still probably too much, um, you know, for a player in MLS. It's, it puts them in designated player territory. And I know you're going to talk in a minute about um, the, the mechanism, how this might work, but something interesting came up today, and you and I were talking about it earlier, and, and GBS must have said it in Spanish because I distinctly heard it, and, and you don't remember it. So I'm right. assuming that it was during the Spanish part where he talked about, look, Pavone, you know, he said, all you guys are talking about Pavone's gone after the season and we can't keep him and he's too expensive. He said, I've talked to Pavone about it. He's really happy here. I've talked to Boca Juniors. Um, you know, he may stay after this year. He's not interested necessarily in rushing back to Boca. If he doesn't get a, a, a European deal or it's not the deal that he wants, he's perfectly happy here. Um, you know, don't just assume that Pavone is going. And that's interesting, and that feeds into all this because, first of all, Pavone is a great player, and he would help the Galaxy. But then when talking about all these big-name players, uh, bringing them in, um, you know, uh, it, it, you know it's with some smoke and mirrors and then holding them until December when Pavone leaves and opens a DP spot, if Pavone doesn't go and they have to re-sign him, it'll be a couple-year contract. Uh, Jonathan's signed for a couple more years. Chicharito signed for two plus an option. So there may not be a D if Pavone comes back, there may not be a DP spot open for 
two or three years. Yeah, and and we've talked about this mechanism before. I think we were talking about you know Gonzalo Higuain and possibility of him coming to the LA Galaxy. I still have that in terms of. Um, you know, he's with Juventus. They're going to pay him a whole bunch of money similar in terms of Suarez or, or even Messi. Uh, quite honestly, if, if you're going to terminate those contracts, if they're not going to be there anymore, um, then you have to reach a financial dis, you know settlement with them. And, you know, Iguain is supposed to be getting paid, um, you know, a bunch of money from Juventus. You talk about Suarez, possibly the same thing. Um, what you what basically you would do, you pull this Bruce Arena end around, right, which is that perhaps you could get somebody like Gonzalo Iguain or Luis Suarez as a TAM player. And it's ridiculous to say, but with all the money in their pocket from teams, this is how, you know, Bruce Arena was able to get Ashley Cole or Nigel DeYoung. Um, with that money in their pocket, they're able to take a lower salary for a certain amount of time, but you are going to have to promise them to up that whenever they become a designated player, the next one. And in this particular case, there is only one way if Christian Pavone is going to stay. Uh, there's only one way I see where they open up a designated player spot, and that's with Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, the targeted allocation money ceiling is going to peak right around $1.8 million. Jonathan Dos Santos is making like $1.999 million to so $2 million. Uh, you're only $200,000 difference there. If you extend the contract with Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, you put it out a couple of years, maybe three, maybe four years, it's a risk. It certainly is. But if you do that and you drop him to below that targeted allocation money level and you have to make sure that the average of what he's receiving, you know, this year slash what he's going to be receiving next year and how that all averages out over the years. And that average gets below that targeted allocation money ceiling. You technically could have Jonathan Dos Santos as a TAM player. You could have, you know, um, somebody else coming in and then as a de- as a designated player. So there's ways and, and sort of things to, to move around and pieces to move around. There's always a way to open a designated player spot. Don't think that anybody's ever hemmed in, but they're not easy decisions and it takes some risk and it takes some rolling of the dice. Um, so that's just keep that in mind. I mean, if you're talking about any of these rumors, you know, we talked about Luis, Luis Suarez, we talked about. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain, um, the the one that sort of makes the most sense in a targeted allocation money sort of way is Mario Balotelli. We've talked about the craziness that Mario Balotelli has certainly provided um, in his footballing career, even at Dignity Hill Sports Park back when I think it was StubHub Center um, or maybe it was Home Depot Center. I never remember when those things changed. But uh, however it ends up being, uh, Mario Balotelli is sort of, you know, persona non grata in the football world right now. And so he would probably be available for a discount somewhere. He might be the only one of these players that you're sort of looking on this list and, and looking at the rumors list um, that you would say could be a targeted allocation money uh, signing straight up. But you know, you know what I, you already know what I'm going to say about this. He he just he's going to blow up the the, the dressing room. Um, he's you know he's never been a team guy. He has a bad reputation uh, for doing bizarre stuff. Um, you know the Galaxy this year were supposed to. That's why they brought in Sa- uh, Sasha Kleschen. Supposed to put this dressing room back together. Um, uh, at, you know after the Zlatan years for all the great things Zlatan did on the field. You know he wasn't exactly the greatest team player, especially in the locker room. So. Um, Balotelli would put them right back into that situation, I think. And, and he'll, he'll promise to do everything right and to be a boy scout and, and take care of everything. But, um, you know, he's the reason he's played for about 106 teams in his short career is because, um, he's just hasn't been able to really, um, uh, you know, take care of business wherever he goes. And I, I'm just not sure that the galaxy want to do that as talented a player as he is. I'm not sure, 
um, that the downside is really worth the upside. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a big gamble. Anyway, those rumors all swirling around right now, Kevin. Um, we'll see. The I think the transfer window stays open until like October or something like that. It's yeah, some ridiculous. Really yeah, it's really late. It's a really long time. So uh, keep that in mind as and we go forward. This is a very bizarre transfer window because teams in the big teams in Europe, a lot of them are struggling financially. They, they lost a lot of money to COVID-19. So did teams in MLS, but we're talking about, you know, we're talking about a fraction of the, you know, we're talking about nickels on the dollar. When you, when you see the size of the budgets between the two teams, this would be a good time for an MLS team to strike and to make a big move because I believe the prices that teams are going to be asking for in Europe are going to be down. We know teams like Barcelona are having fire sale already. Um, you know, if you uh, are smart and can make the finances work and you have the long transfer window to figure things out, I think this might be a good time to roll the dice and go make a big move in Europe. It would certainly seem, if not for the Galaxy, other MLS teams might be thinking about that. This We'll never have a transfer window like this, and there's both good and bad things to it. But it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah, which is why maybe uh, maybe Christian Pavone can be gotten at a discount. Never know. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to follow that. Let's uh, shift gears here. For as much as the LA Galaxy, uh, you know, sort of re-raised the spirits of the fan base with the two nothing win over LAFC, uh, the conference standings still paint a pretty dire picture with the LA Galaxy out of the basement. Uh, the only team without a win in the Western Conference is the Houston Dynamo. So the Galaxy jumped over them. Now have five points of the Houston Dynamo's four, but still a long way, exactly ten points from the top of that, where you have Sporting Kansas City sitting. Uh, the Seattle Sounders are in second place, eleven points. Minnesota United uh, tied there um, now in third place with 11 points uh portland is number four team with 10 points lafc nine points real salt lake nine points san jose in seventh with eight points uh you have the colorado rapids who look totally uninterested in playing in their rocky mountain cup uh against the colorado rapids at seven points vancouver whitecaps who uh, apparently are some embarrassment to major league soccer yet still somehow a point ahead of the la galaxy uh you have fc dallas who's been having all sorts of offensive problems and uh and so we'll see if uh they can snap out of that in 10th and then you have the la galaxy in 11th the uh, the supporter shield leaders right now Columbus Crew 16 points and that may have even changed I think that they were playing tonight or there was yeah, another they lost. oh yeah they, they lost they did lose okay so I, I this was a snapshot of things before that game happened so just sort of understand that go to uh, mlssoccer.com standings and you can see all of the updated standings the LA Galaxy by the way were in 25th place I believe um, at one point in the total supporter shield standings <laughs> They are now in 21st. So see, a win does help you in that particular way. And the LA Galaxy now have a lot of ground to give, get um, to make up, Kevin. And they do it in some very difficult scheduling. So it's not like it's going to be easy to just suddenly make up points uh, so, for the so Galaxy. You said they're, they're 12th in the conference. Uh, they were 12th in the conference. Uh, they are. They were 11th whenever I had it. Did Houston play Columbus or something? Is that the only way? Because no, no, Columbus played uh, New York City. But I'm just wondering. They only have to be in the top nine, I believe, to make the playoffs. Correct. You're, they're not that far. Technically, they are one point from nine right now. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at the playoff line, although I think that's a pretty low bar to set for the playoffs this year. So I, I would imagine trying to be in the top half of the 12 teams. So six and up is sort of where the LA Galaxy should be focusing um, right now. And and quite honestly, if they can get on a run, maybe they can, I mean, you know, there's a there was a downside certainly to the schedule that they're playing, Kevin, which is extremely difficult in the Western Conference, and all these Western Conference teams are playing difficult schedules with this. And the fact that the LA Galaxy aren't, I think, as good as some of those teams, or certainly haven't shown that, makes their schedule all that more dangerous. The upside to playing this very difficult schedule is if you can go in here and steal a whole bunch of games. 
Uh, if you can get on some sort of run, if you can get some confidence and you can start winning games against a very tough schedule, then whenever the schedule switches up, which we imagine it's going to switch um, at one point, and you're going to go into another court, you know, I think it's not a bubble, but you're going to go into another group um, and play six games in that group, just like you sort of played six games in this group. Um, you're going to do that. Um, so if they go to another group and it's easier and they can, you know, then win some of those easier games as well, then all of a sudden you have something and there's some momentum here. But it 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 implores you to pick up points in this very difficult schedule. I said the LA Galaxy might not get more than two points in this. They already have three, so what do I know? Once again, I'm a yeah. moron. Um, but, it, you know, they have to continue to get points. The, the home games are important. Winning against Seattle. Um, you know, beating LAFC again whenever LAFC comes back in. You know, beating San Jose over this weekend. These games are coming fast and furious, and you can either pick up points real fast or you could drop points real fast. So having the momentum that they have coming out of LAFC is certainly a plus, but they have to do something with it now. I think when that the second group they're going to be in, I don't think they're going to see Houston again because they've already played them twice. But I think that you're probably going to see Real Salt Lake. You're probably going to see. Sporting Kansas City, those will be tough games. You may see Vancouver again if the if the Canadian border opens up. Certainly, I think Colorado comes into that. That could be two games that the Galaxy would have a chance of winning. Uh, and maybe Seattle and Portland because they've only played them. Well, they played Portland twice because they played them in the MLS spectrum. Maybe Seattle might be another team. So I don't think it gets much easier, but certainly it's not going to be as tough as this first six games. Because, you know, if they wind up playing Colorado and wind up playing Dallas, those will be slightly easier uh, you would think those would be slightly easier opponents for them. Yeah, I was going to say, you think. It's MLS. Anything crazy can happen. I think five underdogs won um, over this weekend, over the last sort of series of games. So um, it's it's something to keep an eye on in terms of where the home field, quote unquote, home field advantage is where it's not. Uh, just real quickly here on the Seattle Sounders. Again, the LA Galaxy plays Seattle 8 p.m. Um, it's on Uno Mas and TUDN. Uh, I believe it might also be streamed on Twitter, so you might want to look at that as well if you're trying to watch this. But in the 8 p.m. kickoff time, uh, defending MLS Cup champions coming off of a 3 nothing win in Portland. Uh, again, a game that was much closer than it, the, the score sort of relays, but certainly Seattle know what they're doing um, in terms of, of winning games. And you'd have to imagine, even with the travel day, and I think it's going to be a rough travel day for them, uh, because it's north and south, you know, you're not changing any time zones. It's not as rough as it could be. Um, but having said that, you know, the LA Galaxy should have an advantage in this. They don't didn't have to travel. They were at LAFC, which is, you know, you know, 15 minutes away from their stadium. Um, so as you as you come back, as you slept in your own bed and you didn't have to travel the day of the game in terms of get on a plane, fly up there, get on, get jump on a plane and fly back. Uh, the Galaxy have the advantage right now. And so that advantage needs to be taken. Um, as you look at this, the Galaxy need to win this game. And quite honestly, they need to look at winning this game against Seattle, which is a tough ask against the MLS defending champs. Um, and then they have to beat San Jose, who has had their number um, by and far, uh, has had their number for, for a number of games now. Um, in fact, there might not be a team that plays the LA Galaxy better um, than San Jose Earthquakes in probably the last couple of years. So um, a lot of stuff needs to go right for the LA Galaxy in these next two games. Uh, but, you know, you can add if you say that you get nine points in, in seven days and eight days, Kevin, uh, that would be a, a dream start for the LA Galaxy. That was that's like that's fantasy level right there. And Seattle has one fewer day to prepare. They played on Sunday where the Galaxy played on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely something that, that will factor into all of this. So 
Um, tough schedule for them. Better for the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy will also have tough schedules coming up. So uh, David Bingham was saying, hey, you know, we like this. This is this is the way it is. Get back and play a game. I think Dan Starris says, you know, hey, you train, you 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 train for a couple days, you play a game. You train for a couple days, you play a game. He goes, that's the way they like it. So uh, we'll, well see. He's a goalkeeper. He's not running anywhere. Oh, who Bingham? Yeah, I know. Bingham's always like, I can play tomorrow. You want me to go again? Um, so, so, so you're a you're a, a pilot. Where where do the charters fly into for? For these games, they did, obviously they don't have to use LAX. Right, I, I bet Long Beach. They, Long Beach would probably be where I would charter. That's not that far away. It's just down the freeway by a little bit. Um, that that seems like the easiest place for it to be because these charter planes are still probably bigger airplanes. It's not like they're private jets, small private jets. Yeah. They're probably still you know small to mid size airliners. Um, yeah, but you can fly a 737 in, into there, right? Yeah, absolutely. 737, okay, now, 757, any of those things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Orange County has a curfew, correct? Orange County has a curfew. So it's 11 o'clock p.m. on uh, landings, and I believe it is 10 p.m. on takeoffs. So they yeah, wouldn't so be able to take off. And plus... Either Long Beach or Ontario, if they're not going to use LAX. They are not going to use Ontario. They would fly into LAX. LAX is a place that you could also fly into. I think Long Beach, it would probably be cheaper than flying into LAX, but um, you never know. It's all about where airplanes get serviced, how they get serviced. I think both of those airports would be able to handle any of the jets that would be flying in. There's that little Hawthorne airport, too. Yeah, I don't think that one's big, big enough. That one's not big enough to handle the the jets that were coming in. But they could handle like pri- private jets, small private jets, that type of thing. I'd have to look at the runway length, but I, I don't think that one. That Maybe one. like twenty private Cessnas. Everyone gets their own plane. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, why not? I just have everybody fly themselves to the pl- to to the game. You know, that's a thing. That is, you know, I have a bunch of I have a bunch of uh, college uh, college friends that are pilots. Um, I have a bunch of, obviously, cause I, I, I grew up flying. I have some other friends. I don't fly anymore. I haven't flown in a very long time. I need to go through a whole bunch of stuff in order to get my license, which, uh, is, you know, cost is very costly in time. I don't have any time right now anyway, as it is, um, but doing all that stuff. But man, in the, in the times of COVID, those guys are flying all over the place, anywhere they want to go, because you can just pick up and, and, and fly off somewhere and you could be, you know, in a different place. You can drive 11 hours and be in Albuquerque. Um, which I which I did, um, or you could get in a, a small airplane and you fly for like three four hours and you're also in Albuquerque. Um, so you know there's some there's some advantages to uh, to having a, a small plane in the times of COVID for sure. I I wasn't aware that your license had expired. So who's fly, who was piloting the, 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 C- of the corporate jet nowadays? Yeah, so licenses don't really expire. Your medical expires, and so I'd have to get a new medical, and then you have recurrent flight training. There's a whole bunch of stuff. If we want to get into like flying podcasts, we could do that as well. Um, I'm all I'm all about it. I'm 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 all pumped for the Microsoft Flight Simulator release. I'm gathering all of my stuff for my home simulator that I'm going to be putting together, but uh, nobody really super geek. I am. Oh, by far. Yeah, you have no idea. That between that and Planet Coaster, I'm going to be I'm going to be very busy from uh that's when my son goes to bed till like midnight uh so if you need me air conditioning yeah well it's coming it's coming don't worry we got a portable ac that's going to come up here because it's about 98 degrees in this room right now so i'm 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 done i'm done with it is all right we've talked a lot we've had we've covered a lot uh julian araujo joined us and uh he was great so thanks julian for coming on uh he was he was absolutely splendid um so hopefully we'll get him back on the show as well the la galaxy play on play against seattle at dignity hill sports park at 8 p.m on wednesday so you're gonna want to check that out kevin anything else you want to talk about or we should get out of here no, thanks, Mrs. Julian Araujo's mom, for helping us out with this. Absolutely. Always a, always a big shout-out there as well. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Head on over to the LA Times for all of Kevin's soccer articles uh, covering a lot of soccer. There's going to be a lot of games, so Kevin's going to have a lot of things to write. So head on over to LA Times. 
gmail.com. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, head on over to the Corner of the Galaxy Discord. Show notes, uh, you can find the link. If you can't find it there, you can text me, you can tweet me, however you know me, uh, I will get you an invite to that Discord. We will have probably over 350 people uh, by the time the show comes out and airs, so you're going to want to get in on that. The conversation is excellent. You're going to want to be there. All right. Uh, I think that about does it. Uh, Cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of your podcast articles. All that fun stuff is right there. So please head on over there whenever you get a chance. Uh, From Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.